Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced, as all things should be, here on a Mother's Day weekend, excited and eager to be back with you. Thank you so much, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. We're so grateful you're here listening with us today. Uh, we have three other Infinity Bros here today with me. First off is Infinity Bro Jarrett. Jarrett, how are you? Hello, uh, I'm doing great. Any other updates you can give us, Jarrett? Um, I'm I'm surviving. My computer has not crashed in the last five minutes. So, uh, yeah, keep your fingers. Yeah, we have to also hope that my computer does not crash, too. It's had some issues pre-show. So we're going to uh, hold our breath and cross our fingers. Infinity Bro Robbie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, a very strange man dropped me off Chipotle earlier, and my day just got so much brighter after uh, Mark abused me in uh, a game. I heard that guy has an incredible buttocks that dropped off your food for you. Uh, and finally, another man who has an incredible buttocks, Infinity Bro, Mark. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm glad to be back to tickle the ears of all the Infinity Bro universe. Uh, we have some housekeeping things to take care of first. Many of you. You want me fluff pillow? Housekeeping? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. Um... Uh, <laughs> what a great start. Uh, we had an incredible week last week. Obviously, we did not have an episode of the Infinity Bros podcast. And that is because we had our first ever live 24-hour Twitch stream uh, fundraiser for the Ronald McDonald House. And we set a goal of $1,000. And man, did you guys, the listeners, show up. We raised $1,900. In 24 hours, with over a thousand of our goal happening at the 11 hour mark, in which uh, me and Zane were on, and just got a list of names I'd love to shout out real quick in no particular order, naming no particular designation of how much they gave. Uh, we have Mark, Tammy, Katie, Neil, Michael, Nerdo, Roy, Cameron, Scott, uh, Jordan. Uh, someone named themselves Clown, someone named themselves Feeny. Austin, Amelia, someone named the Admiral, Sleep Dog, Fire Resistant Podcast, Tecla, and Tammy donated. Thank you so much again for your contributions to our fundraiser. We just want to give you a shout out and tell you that you are what make the Infinity Bros universe so special. Guys, real quick, would you highlight? Is there something from the the stream that you'd love to highlight, or something that that you're just going to remember from this time? Mark, we'll start with you. I guess I'll remember the talks. That uh, Robbie, Zane, and I had that uh, I don't think anyone heard, and it was between us, and some sweet things were said in there. So go back and through the four hours and give us your best sound bites. Infinity Bro, Jarrett, uh, what, what's going to stick out to you about this uh, hopefully first fundraiser of ours? Man, I think it was great, not just that like people gave, but people were pretty active in chat. Um, I think the community, even if people didn't give a single cent, uh, I think just the support through the whole 24-hour stream and just how um, people kind of gathered around us and promoted the idea of what we were doing and shared our stuff on on Facebook. Um, obviously, Scott Higa shouted us out more than a few times, uh, as well as the rest of the crew you read off there. So, um, yeah, I think just the camaraderie and being able to spend 24 hours hanging out with you guys was pretty cool. That was a blast. Robbie, what about you, man? Um, Yeah, a lot of the same stuff. It was, I think it was just crazy to see how many people were actively participating i think isaac said once we got the breakdown back it was like we averaged nine viewers um basically for the entire 24 hours which is 
I think a really good amount for us. Like usually we have like six, five, six viewers, but if you can average a nine for a whole 24 hours, that's huge. Um, and then just, I think you could, you could tell the excitement was building every time we got excited and we're sharing a lot. You could, you saw the money just go higher and higher and it's something we didn't expect. And I, like you said, I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone that gave. We really appreciate it. Um, and we know that the Ronald McDonald house appreciates it as well. Yeah, man. If you gave and you're listening to our show, we just want to tell you one more time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, in this season of COVID, man, it is just huge to do something like that. And I think we'll try to maybe rally the troops and do another one sometime. We're going to lay off for a bit now, but, um, we're grateful. Thank you so much for, um, just making us part of your day that day. It was a, it was a really fun Saturday and it was great to spend it with you guys. And, uh, we just could not be more grateful for your giving and uh yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna do more of that i think in the future and as promised i'm gonna go ahead and review the uh princess bride so this may be your first time listening to our show so we want to make sure that you are familiar with our rating system so i'm gonna put that bumper right here, here on the infinity bros podcast everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent if all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Step. I don't think I said system. I think I said system. Rating bumper system. But uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, The Princess Bride. Uh, if you do not listen to this show, part of the bit for me and Mark has been, and, and pretty much everybody at this point, has been to get me to watch this this movie that so many people have spoken so highly of. Uh, for those that have not seen it, it's a 1987 film directed by Rob Reiner. And the synopsis is, while, home in si while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him a story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. This movie uh, has a, as I called it, a two episodes or three episodes ago, a B-list cast at best. Um, so I'm not even going to name them and I'm going to go ahead and come out of the gate right now with my rating of a three out of six of this movie. Uh, obviously I think the people will be disappointed in my bias towards this movie. Um, uh, but the, what sticks out to me about this movie after I watched it was I looked at my wife at the end of it and I said, was that it? And she goes, that was it. And that's just about everything I need to know about this movie. There were a couple of funny parts that I do want to highlight. I want to give some love to some certain parts. Uh, I did think the falling down the hill bit was funny. I thought that was good. I thought that was clever. I, I found out that that's probably uh, from something that it's something that, you know, people can normally do. Uh, people that normally can, excuse me, reference in other movies i think is what i'm trying to say the big obscure rodents i didn't really fully understand that and if if people could could tell me why andre the giant wasn't in more films after this he was incredibly charming in this movie mark i totally get why people are so obsessed with him obviously he was we know his i, I at least am aware of his his uh history with wrestling but man, was he incredibly charming in this. He was probably the one that stole the show the most. I give it a three out of six. It's a middle of the road movie. It's not a terrible movie. I just wouldn't call it a great movie. Um, and, and then I do have one question before you guys go ahead and attack me for my terrible review. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to say yours. You said you were going to have one more question before we well, attack you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I should have asked <laughs> it. I'm sorry. So my question is this. My question is, um, at the end when he <clears> says... 
uh, wow, what's the line that he always that that what's the last line of the movie? He says, he says, as you wish. When he says as you wish to the grandson, is it implied that he is the pirate? Is that is that what I'm supposed no, to saying, gather? No. After there's that, the famous quote that says, when he was saying as you wish, what he really meant is I love you. So he's just saying I love you to his grandson. Okay, so he was just saying I love you. That's what I had interpreted at, but I was nervous that I was misinterpreting it. And not realizing that that was actually the guy, the, the Prince and, Charming. And his guy. grandson asks him to come back tomorrow and so read it again. So. He's, he's agreeing and saying he loves you. I, I figured that. I, I, I figured that, but I wanted to just double check that I wasn't supposed to be missing that. Okay, now I'll let you guys speak. Go ahead, Mark. You, I feel like you've got a loaded gun here. Nope. Uh, Max has an opinion, and <clears throat> that's it. His, you know, uh, the only thing I'll say, and I think we hit on it slightly during the stream was that i think and i know i know max you tried to go into this like as biased as you could but we unbiased we, yeah, right. yeah whatever we, no, we had went tried... in it with as much bias because in the other podcast where we talked <clears throat> about it he said it's been hyped up too much so if it doesn't live up right. to this hype it's going right. to be average right and and i think that's kind of what you're you're running into like when everyone's telling you a great movie is great and even when you're your movie Lord Rotten Tomatoes is telling you a movie is great <laughs> and you really don't want to watch a movie. It's a My it's a ninety-seven Lord. overall on Rotten Tomatoes and and you're saying it's bad. Basically in our rating system, a three out of six is bad. I would say if, if we were in a simulation, you would have aired out the simulation and you'd be out of it right now. Congratulations. We are not in tomatoes. a simulation then. Um no, I think I think Andre the Giant was incredibly charming. The incons <laughs> the inconceivable guy was trash. Uh, what? Hated him. Hated him from the get go. Anigo on. I mean, he's supposed to be that character you hate. The well, that's what I'm saying. I, so I, I'm saying he's just trash. I just didn't like him, and that's all I'm saying. I not, I'm not like criticizing the acting. I'm just do you do you character. enjoy like the Monty Python movies or like Monty Python? Um, see, Monty Python's probably at a four point five out of six for me, maybe a four. Like. So you just don't like this that genre. Kind of, I've been it, trying to tell people this genre yeah. is really difficult for me to enjoy. So it's not, it's not my genre. genre. So like you don't you don't like Robin Hood. No, Benetites. no, not at all. No, not at all. But the other thing that Mark makes a great point on, at least he made on the show that we we talked about the reasons why I don't watch it and won't watch it is the 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 bit with the grandfather and the and the grandson was charming. Um, I. I was expecting more, actually, to be honest, based on how much people were talking about it. I was shocked at how little of that dialogue occurred. Um, and obviously, Deadpool, when it they did that Christmas version of Deadpool, they referenced this movie in that. Um, yeah, I, it's it's middle of the pack. I'm sorry to those that were really excited for me to watch it, hoping for either a 1 out of 6 or a 6 out of 6. I'm not going to give it the worst movie ever because this certainly isn't the worst movie ever. This this It has some charming parts. It has some funny parts. Anigo Montoya, eh? But man, I'll, I'll give—is it Fezic or Physic? Fezic, give me Fezic all day, man. I was all in on him. Had a blast with him. Um, well, the the yeah. thing with the thing with Andre the Giant that I guess we should probably hit on a little bit is that like that dude couldn't move. <laughs> like, yeah, especially at that point, like especially they were carrying him life. from like scene to scene, essentially. Like at the end of the movie when he walks through the hallway, like that's the most walking you see him doing. Like, and that was a struggle for him. Like, that's why you don't see him in a lot of movies. Because when what year did he? And he passed away like ninety three. Right. So like six years later, 
and it was a, and it was a it be four, years, four later. years later. So and it was a downhill downhill slope the entire time. So it's it's unfortunate that Andre had to pass, but I think I mean that's definitely his best work. He he has his best parts and lines during it. So that's that's all I have to say about it. You can uh, send me some hatred uh, via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail or follow me at maxmosier seventy three and just yell at you know, me. If it's a year um, from now, do another fundraiser. What's the top movie that we make you watch? Is it is it Venom or see uh, Mad the Max? problem? I don't think I don't think it's I think it's got to be Mad Max, right? Because I think Venom the re I think Venom is Sony's gonna force me to watch. Here's the Venom. thing about Mad Max: you're gonna you're gonna watch Mad Max and you're actually gonna like it. I, I, I 100% believe that. Yeah, because Mad Max is so good. It's the cinematography in that movie is so good. The, the 20 minutes we watched, the 20 minutes we watched at Mark's uh, bachelor party, it, it's a pretty crisp looking movie. I, I can't deny that. I mean, I well, what didn't it. it win an Oscar <laughs> for that? Yeah, it's so a like, very crisp looking movie. Like, it's you, a very crisp. Lo- I'm, I'm not no, denying no, this. For sure. It's at a minimum, you're going to give it. that. A- I'm I'm a guessing that you'll give that a four out of six. A four? Yeah, yeah probably. It it starts at a four and moves up from there, right? Um, the other thing that we did was we we added an additional uh, reward, and we have other rewards coming out throughout the week. You can check out our social media for those. I'm not going to go through all those. But the other one that was big was Zane finally got a Twitter. That's been a big uh, uproar for some of our fans. Can you share his best tweet so far that you shared earlier? Yeah, I think he's had some good he's had some good ones, but his best one came uh, today, the day we're filming, uh, which was, the secret ingredient in gas station hot dogs is crack. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful follow zane at saiyan one six that's at s-a-i-y-a-n one x give him a follow it's worth it uh zane is clever and i think he will find the medium of twitter is significantly more um beneficial for his style of communication of jokes and and uh tomfoolery than facebook which is for old decrepit people so Whoa. yeah that's at facebook least my random yeah, I'm gonna take a shot at Facebook. That's what it is. So Mark Zuckerberg. Let's is dig into some nerd boots. news. Yeah, Mark's. Yeah, he could, he's probably shaking his fist at me, holding a rocker <laughs> too. Um, here we go. Let's head into some nerd news. First of all, we're, we're, we got a lot, so we're just gonna dive right in. Nerd news is where we talk about things that are happening in pop culture that are significant to us that we want to share with you and have have open discussion about. The first one is this: the Tiger King series has taken over the nation, especially in regards to Corona. And Nicolas Cage is set to star in a scripted series centered on Tiger King's Joe Exotic, the subject of the Netflix docuseries Tiger King. Variety reports that an eight-episode series is being produced by Imagine Television Studios and CBS Television Studios. It will be taken to market in the next coming days, and it is based on the Texas Monthly article, Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey Into the World. Of a man gone wild by Leif Ragstad. Massive, massive news. I want to hear from everybody, but Infinity Bro Mark, let's start with you. What is your thoughts on this? I can't wait. I just it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting now moving forward to see who else gets attached to this series and it'd be interesting also to know if it was like is it nick cage who's like hey i want to do this cbs because right it's being developed in cbs right is that where it's like who is there already a team of writers or a script already out there or is it like nicholas cage's camp that's like hey we have this we want nick cage to play the tiger king let's go so dan lagana dan lagana or lagana i apologize for this pronunciation 
will serve as writer, showrunner, and executive producer under his overall deal with Paul Young executive producing via Make Good Content. Um, Imagine's Brian Grazer and Sammy, Sammy Kim Falvey will executive produce for Imagine. Uh, Cage will executive produce via Saturn Films. And Scott Brown and Megan Kreit will executive produce for Texas Monthly. Uh, Jarrett, what do you think about this, man? I think, like, obviously we know Joe Exotic is a very extreme and divisive character. Um, that it just makes sense for Nick Cage to be doing this. Like, who else is off the wall crazy enough to be able to play this part to do it justice? Um, it's interesting because it's it's been too long since we've heard from Nick Cage. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and we'll touch on this in a minute, but Nick Cage just kind of popped up and he's like, hey guys, I'm back and I'm back with a with a vengeance here because um, this isn't the only thing that he'll be doing uh, in, in uh, upcoming seasons here. But yeah, I think good casting news. Um, I've never heard of this. Is it Leif Regstag, you said? Regstag, um, yes. Never heard of him before, so it'll be interesting to see uh, him kind of make a name for himself with this. And yeah, looking forward to it. Robbie, is this a serious role at all? Like, is this something that Nick Cage could walk away from and actually do something major with? Do you you anticipate, or is this is this just the perfect blend of crazy character, crazy actor? Let's go. That, that you, you hit it right on the head right there. I think it's I actually kind of sad that it's CBS because it's very that's limit limiting then because now you have to be on TV. Like now you have to be on like. Hour by hour no, TV. isn't it? Isn't it supposed to be on the access? It's going to be on all isn't access. Is all access yeah, monitored? I would then assume or not? that would be that. I would assume that would be their hope. Well, right? then is then like, are they going to be able to use cuss words and like graphics like scenes? Like how? Do you want graphic scenes with Nick Cage and his uh, two husbands? <sighs> Here's the thing. is that what your is that what your question here? I, I'm mostly I'm mostly listening. talking about the. <laughs> I'm mostly thinking about all the swearing that goes on because you watch the documentary. There's a lot of swearing going on, but. I guess, and it's probably underneath HBO to go with something like this. But if you if it was HBO, you would get those sex scenes for sure. You you'd get something like that. You'd get a you get a Travis rubbing his balls on Joe Exotic's <laughs> face. Uh, yeah. If you watch Tiger King, you know about that. Sorry to that's a weird. Well, thing what's to interesting say. too too is Kate McKinnon is attached to star and an executive produce a series based on this as well. So it's like. Are we going to see just three or four different shows and have their probably. different takes on it? And we'll probably get a movie that will start Danny McBride because that's what you know all the fans wanted when this hype all started happening. Mark, do you watch it all or do you stick with one? Like as a consumer, you you watch it all. Yeah, as a consumer, are yeah. you like, no, I, I'm I'm oversaturated. Did with you Tiger did you King? watch Armageddon and Deep Impact? Yeah, you probably watched both point. of them. Love it. That's it, a you great. Watch both the Fon- the Peter Fontaine movies. Yeah, you watch both of them. Yeah, that's what Hollywood does. I hear you. It, it's a it's an IP that no one owns, so you can either satire it or treat it completely serious or make a series out of it. So I have a question. Do you think Carol Baskins will start suing if they start, like... She doesn't have enough money. Oh, she'll but what could out. she sue for? Defamation. Because they're attacking her character, saying that she's... Well, you know, at this point, they don't have movie, the rights so they could say it's a parody of her character. Well, it's not a movie. It's a... I thought it was a show. Well, show, movie, It's it, you could claim it as a parody because it's, it's not based... It's not... Or what would be the I'm term? just thinking there if they if they have a legal action if they think they have a legal action they're going to take it. I don't think they can compete with CBS. Well, probably not. No. I think the difference is in the show they could compete with Joe Exotic because he did not actually have money or he didn't have maybe liquid that he could actually go. He didn't out have millions of dollars use. from a dead husband. Yeah, he just didn't have that sitting around. So yeah, I I just don't see it. Um, I want to I want to comment. 
that Nick Cage was in six movies in 2019 and seven movies for this year. And how many of those were above a 35 on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to tell you this. That's what I want. Uh, <laughs> the only one I recognize out of the two years is Color Out of Space because we talked yeah, about it. Yeah, which we... We talked about it. We haven't reviewed it yet. We need to watch that movie. But yeah, apparently that movie did well to a lot of people. So I'm, I think we're going to be back on this subject. So we're going to move on. And I'm sure we'll have another time to talk about it. Let's talk about Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. The 90-minute um, series finale is kind of what DC is is pegging this mm-hmm. as. And it is a sequel, it, at least the synopsis says, a sequel to Justice League Dark um, and it involves Jack Kirby's rendition of New Gods. And this is a, a movie that basically, if you've watched in the last 10 years, the DC animated movies, um, the 15 movie buildup is kind of what they did. They And what movie did they start with, Rob? Uh, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox. Thank you, Flashpoint. So if starting from Flashpoint Paradox, with, uh, which came out in 20... I'm sorry, I said... 2013. 20, that came out... 2013 is when they started, excuse me. Um, basically this is the series finale of this rendition of these characters and it kind of in a Avengers Infinity War Endgame style um, brings them all together. It stars a, a, a slew of people, Roger Cross, Rosario Dawson, Christopher Gorham, Camila Luddington, Shamar Moore, Jerry O'Connell, Jason Amara, Matt Ryan, Sachi Alicio, Stuart Allen, Ray Chase, John DiMaggio, Tessa Farmiga, Liam McIntyre and Tony Todd voices Dark Side in this movie. Um, Robbie, we're going to go ahead and start with you as you're one of our DC fanboys on this on this podcast. Number two on this podcast. What do you? Yeah, number two, according to good sources. Um, what uh, what is your rating of this movie, and what are your initial like quick review thoughts of this? I I loved it. I thought it was very. Uh, is there, it they they've been very uh, enveloped in the source material to a point with all of these movies like they'll, they'll take their own little um <clears throat> paths here and there but so these are inspired by jack kirby but these are actually based on the new 52 storyline so this is kind of the end of the dc animated universe new 52 storyline is basically what we're ending with um for justice league dark apocalypse war i'd probably give it i really enjoyed it i'd probably do a 5.5 5. um there's not a whole lot of uh six animated like six infinity stones animated movies for me especially in this in their uh however movie many movies there are 17 of them or whatever um there's only a few i really really love and then there's a few that i wish i could just get rid of just because they're just really big filler ones or they they didn't do justice to the the new 52 stories that were amazing um but overall i i think this is a series that you like people don't give a much give enough attention to um i wish there was a way that they could get get it out more and people could understand the timeline a little more and be more involved in it i think it's a really good series i think dc animated has you know dominated that space for a long time and i i i just think they they haven't done a good job at selling it and getting it out there so more and more people know about it Jarrett, were you able to catch this? I was not, no. Um, it's definitely high up on my list now that I've been catching up on a lot more. Jarrett, it's um, on my secret stash. I think, is it on your secret stash? Perfect. So I think six or seven episodes ago, we we mentioned this. We talked about our, I think we talked, talked about our top five animated 
uh, superhero movies, but I've been working back through them since then, and I think I've caught almost everything on this list so far. So um, it's definitely a big one for me, and I'm looking forward to see how they wrap it up. Um, it, it was nice to see some, like, um, I, obviously I don't read as much DC comics as like Robbie, but it was nice to see characters like Etrigan and some of those get spotlight in the first Justice League Dark. Um, so I've heard that he's been back. Obviously, you just mentioned the cast. He's and, a huge um, part of of Apocalypse. Perfect. War. So yeah, I'm like I'm ready to bite into this. I just haven't found the time yet. Mark, what about you, man? What's your rating of this? I loved it. Six out of six. I'm all in on anything DC animated. I loved it, loved the story, loved what they did. And like you said, it was kind of like a... I mean, we're always going to re- reference Endgame or Infinity War with the whole banding the brothers and sisters together and battling. And just kind of how they did it, where it's like, you know, they kind of they stuffed, like, two storylines, you know, get defeated and have to come back and overcome all obstacles. So it was a good movie. And then um, I kind of like how they've gone, like, a more adult, like, ver- like versions of these animated movies. Yeah, and, that surprised me in this one. Where I think they, they kind of know their audience at this point. They know that a lot of people watching this are probably adults, and they know they can make money and profit off of that. Where I think, I wonder down the line if they're still going to do that, or um, maybe cater more for kids with the movies with the whole rumors about, you know, DC Comics, like the print editions just kind of going away, so be interesting what they have in store for the next 10 years yeah i give this i give this one a five out of six because this movie is incredible for a couple different reasons one it is it is mandatory if i'm dc moving forward that a john constantine movie happens in the next decade john constantine absolutely steals the show in this i know it's called justice league dark but I did not anticipate his presence being so critical and so important to this storyline. And I love how they really did everything in this movie through him. And it really honored him as a character, well, Robbie. Well, if, if you watch Dark, I mean, he's, he's a main player in that. Well, I think, I think, I think Max meant that, yeah, I think Max meant that he, it, it's called Apocalypse, Justice League Dark, but he didn't expect it to go through John Constantine like it did. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you're you're expecting like Batman or Superman or like the main players versus like a one might say a side a side player side superhero. I was expecting Constantine to support Superman, and and, and this is what I told you guys kind of without revealing my thoughts on this. I I have gripes with this movie. Um, one one in particular. Well, one thing that I really liked before I talk gripes is I didn't know anything about this movie going into it, and I'm so glad I didn't. Because when I this movie started, I had one idea of where this is going, and then it totally went a different way. And, and it, again, it did copy that end game air quotes vibe, but I think they earned it. Um, I, I I did have issues with who they chose to kind of keep around and alive at the end. I know they were trying to build up, you know, these suicide squads and you know the characters that they highlighted in Justice League uh, and these other New Fifty Two movies and. I'm not a big fan of the new 52 storyline. I know Robbie, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but, and I'm not a fan of every movie in this lineup either, to be honest with you, Robbie. I, I really, really like justice league dark. I really, really like the teen Titans movie. I love that Raven was kind of getting a big role in this. That's um, I me. loved. Yeah, that was great. I loved flashpoint. I 
Flashpoint is the per- and I love that they started it and I'm and, and I'll leave it at that. But Flashpoint makes a very very imp- a big presence in this movie that y- you kind of just are aware of it and then when it hits it it hits hard and yeah I, it, it's not a six because of the series as a whole because I think there are characters that they could have built up a little more that would have given me more credit creditation and value in this movie and I think there are characters that they should have had been being major players that weren't involved. Um, but the characters that were in it, I, I can only review the movie I got, and it's a five out of six. This is a great film. Um, I, I I absolutely love this series. I think the Teen Titans movies are great. I think Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay is a wonderful film. Um, I almost wondered if Doctor Fate was going to show up in this. See, I actually, I really I actually did didn't like Hell to Pay as much as I liked uh, Suicide Squad: uh, The Arkham Assault. That one is a six out of six for me. Hell to Pay is okay, but The Arkham Assault isn't in this technically in this realm even though i think it's a better movie but i think if i'm dc robbie i I have to say moving forward they've got to lean into magic it's the one thing they've got i think over marvel right now i i think constantine and dr fate and zatanna and these characters are significantly powerful and they hold a lot of canon in the DC storylines. What, since since the first Deadpool was successful in 2014? Whenever that came out? Like, why haven't you been going R-rated? You have the storylines for one, it. one thing I'll, I'll bring up too, Drabi, that's really interesting about this movie is they did what Zack Snyder was trying to do for the three-part Justice League movie. I got that exact feeling. I was like, this is what Zack Snyder wanted to do. There is no exact feeling. This is what they wanted to do, according to Kevin Smith and... The the fat man on uh, is it, what's that podcast called again? Batman on Batman. Yeah, dude, they, he said that on that show. And so, Jarrett, that's something I want you to be aware of too. Going into this movie is this is what that series could have been, and I'm grateful that Snyder didn't get the ability to do it because now DC can look at all these and go, okay, this is what the people liked, this is what they hated. Let's plug and play here. Maybe Green Lantern here, maybe Aquaman here. I think Aquaman and Wonder Woman are really big right now in, in their IP. Um, I think Shazam is really big in their IP. He has a role in Shazam this movie. Shazam got shafted um, in this movie, I thought. He did get shafted, but I think like in the real-life movies, he could have a bigger presence. He will. And this, this is the kind of movie that you inject real-life Shazam into, and that brings it, it brings the levity down. You know what I'm saying? It just it feels better. It, it gives you still that comic book vibe. This is, this is a great series, though, Jared. I'm really glad you're catching up on it, and th- this... I thought they I thought they did a really good job ending this, Robbie. All things considered, I really did. I, I I have to tip my hat to DC. This has been they've they've owned this market for a while. I I think it's cool that Matt Ryan, who voices Constantine, has just Im- immersed himself in this role. Where first he was cast as you know in the TV show mm-hmm. Constantine, which is great as also. And, yeah, and we only got like what half a season yeah, really. That that's of that. probably one of the best. And NBC shows is like there was. now. Like if if Const- if that if that show came out in today's market, it would it would be on for another like four seasons minimum. Um, but I think I think it's not that he's 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 played that character there, gone on to you know the CW shows as Constantine has been the voice of Constantine, and I think maybe maybe that's the Justice League movie we get or deserve is a Justice League Dark live action with him as like the main guy. Well, you can connect. You can even you can even connect Flashpoint if you bring him into every single medium. You can connect Flashpoint in a really interesting way. 
And that's what they wanted to do with the Flash movie is the Flashpoint. John Constantine is who the future of DC needs to be. I, it sounds crazy. If you have not seen this movie, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it is John not Superman. It is not Shazam. It is not Wonder Woman. It is John Constantine. You can do so much with that character. The people that surround him in those other movies that he's in are fascinating. Swamp Thing, I know it didn't have the best in terms of viewings on it, but that first season a lot of people liked. He was a great player in this movie. I just think, man, I want to see a John Constantine movie. This is this is I, I really hope Feige watched watches this movie, to be honest, and goes, I want to adopt some of this stuff and really care about this with Doctor Strange because this is where DC could have Marvel totally is is in magic. I really feel that way. I think their characters are a lot a lot more fun, at least right now, to watch with that. We'll see. Let's move on um, to Star Wars news. This comes directly from StarWars.com. Taika Waititi to direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film for theatrical release. Before I get to the second Star Wars story, Jarrett, I'm just going to pause. Do you need a minute to scream like a little girl, or do you just want to go ahead and talk right now about this? I've been doing my screaming at home, so I, I'm I'm very good. Let's get into the actual talking about it. Go ahead. Um, Keep going on. Yeah, so I, I get, if you guys haven't got a chance yet, on Disney Plus there is, um, I can't remember the name of the series, but they're talk, the first episode is talking about the directing that went behind uh, The Mandalorian. And some of the talking points that you get to see there um, are from Taika, and just I think they have a good job of picking these directors and saying like, hey, we've seen your chops uh, in these different areas and we really want to pour into this specific project. And obviously, like, Taika's on fire right now. Um, obviously, we know that he's doing Love and Thunder and he's been working on that. Um, Jojo Rabbit was a big hit. Um, so for him to get a Star Wars series or a Star Wars movie is just incredible. Like, this is something that we, um, as fans, can appreciate. We know that he'll do a good job. And it also will be something that we don't expect, right? Like, there's been such a cookie-cutter mold um, with the trilogies that we've seen, and, and obviously things went a little off, off the rails there with the sequels, but really it's it's not hard to imagine where things were headed. Um, whereas with Taika, you, you don't know what you're going to get, you just know that you're going to like it. And I think this was a good decision across the board and a really good time to announce this because um, we're kind of in between seasons here where... Some of the hype has died down from The Mandalorian. Obviously, people are catching um, Rise of Skywalker on Disney Plus, but like they really want to keep that. Robbie, what about you? This is, yeah, it's a six out of six. The more Taika Waititi that Star Wars can get, the better they're going to be for it. I think, um, and I think the biggest thing for Star Wars is just keep that, keep that constant pressure of people thinking about Star Wars. I know. I I think a lot of us liked. Uh, the last Star Wars movie, but then, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't. And I think the Mandalorian brought a lot of those people back, even though they're still a little upset about uh, the Rise of Skywalker. But either way, you're going to love Taika, 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 Taika Waititi. And you're, you should watch everything he puts out because so far in the last, what, six to eight years, everything he's putting out is gold. So you got to watch him. No, you're good. Mark. Mark, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this, man? You love Jojo Rabbit. I love my some Jojo Rabbit and whatever Taika Waititi puts out, I'm all in. I'm now more interested. I mean, I'm super interested in this, but now I'm wondering. I should say, what time period he'll be writing for? Do we know that? Does he mention like what era of Star Wars canon is he going to be writing in? 
because I'm all in on any series, but that that will be interesting. The StarWars.com thing just talks about all the things he's done well. Or is, and... or is that his thing? It's like, that's the kind of the deal they have with him. It's like, hey, we want you to do this. Write a story. And like, do they even give him any parameters? Like, hey, we don't want we don't want a prequel before the, the you know, one, two, and three episodes. And we don't want anything afterwards. But you can stay within any time frame. I, I, it'd be interesting to know that inner workings, like where he's, where his limitations might be. Yeah, I just, I don't know in this kind of... this. Or what characters he's evolved, he can bring in. Like, what if... He's like, hey, I want, you know, Hans, I want to do it like between episode six and seven, and I want it like 10 years afterwards, and I want a Han Solo, give me, you know, or something like that, or or Chewbacca or something, I don't know. Well, it's going to just depend, like, does does Kathleen Kennedy want to do the, the kind of uh, Kevin Feige approach and give him parameters? Like, I think no matter what, there's going to be parameters set in place. Or Kevin Feige has been known to say, you got to just hit these three bullet points and that's it. And then do the rest you want to do. Whereas Star Wars has kind of had a history of too many, at least in my opinion, with the last trilogy they just put out, too many cooks in the kitchen, not executing correctly. Or you just go with the solo movie. Look at that. It's like that was definitely way too many hands in the cookie jar. Well, I would be one of those people that would... Yeah, I would be one of those people, Robbie, that would say, I thought Rise of Skywalker wasn't as good after sitting after having time away from it i do not think it was as good as it had had been and i think i haven't seen the clone wars and i'm not the i probably am the least star wars fan of this group i still think mandalorian's the best thing star wars is doing right now since since the original trilogy and so this is a great move i would agree it's a six out of six this leads into our second point though other star wars news speaking of the mandalorian boba fett is returning to the star wars universe Comicbook.com was able to independently confirm that the figure is set to appear in the second season of The Mandalorian, and it will be played by the original Jeremy Bullock. Um, well, this not, is big news. Not, not wait, the original, like the OG from the seventies. Uh, I'm sorry, Attack of the Clones. I'm sorry, I apologize. It's uh, tomorrow. Morrison is the actor. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I played backwards. I had backwards. Tomorrow Morrison. Thank you. I apologize. Reading another thing. Um, it was originally played by by Jeremy Bullock. That's what I meant to say. It was originally played by him. Tomorrow Morrison will be playing. Because I was like, I heard that one. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, Yo, wait, got, my, got my actor names. Got my names mixed You're up. Fine, bud. Got my names mixed up. I apologize. It's not fine. I'm done. Um, Mark, Mark, you were very excited about this. Yeah. Uh, both before the show. Can you just share all those thoughts and feelings? I, having read some of the books that were canon, the not canon, and then kind of canon, um, It'll be interesting what story they do tell of how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Because in there, he's able to get out of the Sarlacc pit using his jetpack. And it's Dengar, bounty hunter, who's able to fi- who finds him. So, I-, I hope they explain that. If they don't, whatever. But I'm I'm all in. I don't, I- I don't know if it's going to be one. Ep- Have they said it's just going to be like a few episodes? Or is it going to be like a whole arc with him? Like Mandalorian meets just up with says Bullpen. that he's supposed to be revealed. I would assume if there was going to be more. And if they got that actor... Um, now I'm blanking on his name. Jared, fill, fill us in. Tamora Morrison? There you go. He also plays, what, General Huck? Or Hex? What's this in General Clone Wars? He does not play General Hux. Yeah, not, not Hux. My bad. I'm sorry. Um, you know so, what I'm talking about. Yeah. So Rex. Rex. He plays. Yeah. Command. Yeah. All like, of the clones Does have he the play him actor. too? Yeah, they're he all does the same not. guy. Do, do they have him play that dude too? Like, do you do that? No. He, he There's a different voice actor for the animated series. Yeah, but he's that guy. He's yes, he the, is that I mean, guy. He's the clone. He is a yes, he is Boba the Fett is that all the from clones, canon. Correct. 
a clone trooper in a sense because that's you know they use Jango Fett's. You yes. get it. You know Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> Max is over here like yeah sure whatever. What about the other? Uh, I know I shared it in our group chat. Uh, is there any clout to the Ray Park coming into Mandalorian as Darth Maul? If that's even still a thing. I saw that that seemed to be gaining some sort of traction as potential news. I, I, I'm I struggling with how does all this fit? So now they're saying they're going to have an older... It's going to be an older Boba Fett because he has to be older. Well, it would have to be because be- it's 10 years after episode 6. Uh, let's do a baby one. Let's see what happens. <laughs> a baby Boba <laughs> Throw Fett. Throw it in there. But then they're, but then they're also saying that Ahsoka's going to be in. So it's like... I think they're gonna they're gonna have a and and they'll figure it out because the Mandalorian the first season was so well done and and hopefully the people that are doing the Star Wars on Disney Plus are are you know have this bullet pointed out but like they're they're gonna have a weird issue like finding how all these timelines connect because the Clone Wars are canon correct so like they have to somehow connect with the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian with all the movies with everything that's going on there like they have to connect somehow. Because otherwise the diehards are going to be pissed. And you you know what happens when the diehards get mad at a Star Wars movie. They just flood it with, you know, garbage like they did with The Last Jedi. So I, I guess I, that's my only worry. I think this is an awesome, this is awesome news. I think you got it. You're, you're getting classic, well, I guess, the second Boba Fett. I guess. John Favreau is still connected. He's still directing season two and writing it. So if he's still in it, then it's going to be great. I, my mind is just like, how do you balance all that and make it all fit within the canon of the Star Wars universe? Because there's there's people that are way bigger Star Wars nerds than us that know how it all is supposed to fit. And they like know what's going on in every single scene. Just on the whole fact of like, how do we, how do you convince the, the Marks as in, like, the, the fanboys of, not saying myself, it's, the, it's a wrestling term. Max would get it. Um, <laughs> that are all about the Star Wars history. And I give you Baby Yoda. You made Baby Yoda work, so, like, he's going to make all this other stuff and people aren't going to care because we're going to get more Yeah, but those, those are the same people that, are, that that hate that you're calling it Baby Yoda when it's not Yoda's baby. It's a child. It's a child of the same species. Actually... Well, I'm not going to call those it the people. child because no one will know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to call no, it the I, unknown no, no, no. species in Star no, Wars that looks like I Yoda. Know, I know. I'm I'm speaking for those those nerds out there. It's actually the child. Go ahead, Jarrett. I think the timeline the timeline has been pretty. Um, I don't want to say perfect, but it's been pretty crisp, and and especially with the Mandalorian, um, we don't know exactly where it falls, but we know it's like just right after the Empire fell. Um, obviously, in Mando's flashback, spoilers for that TV series if you haven't seen it yet, um, we do see that there are battle droids coming around. And now we don't know if that's from the Clone Wars or if those are leftovers uh, that that kind of crossed over into the Empire period. But like the timeline still fits. The only issue with this is if they were to try to bring back Darth Maul, he's died and come back already, right? We know that he lives... Um, somewhere into Rebels. Again, spoilers for these TV series if you haven't seen them, but it's all over the internet. He dies a second time, right? So for them to bring him back for a third time for Mandalorian is a bit jumping the shark for me, um, and and I would almost not appreciate that as much. I think they've already have so much clout with... Um, I'm sorry, Morrison spoilers? Do you just say Darth Maul sorry. dies again from the Clone yes. Wars? Uh, uh, not in Clone Wars. It's been out there not long in Wars, enough. In You're fine, Jared. It's been out no, there. It's been enough because I haven't watched it. Now I'm <laughs> um, 
I gave you second death and I raised you with the force. Yeah, so like <laughs> they, they keep bringing him back, which I appreciate. And I think they do it well in, in the cartoons, but I think they have so much, so much clout with what they're doing already, bringing in Ahsoka and bringing in um, tomorrow Morrison for this, that I think just let that ride for a while, right? You don't need to bring uh, Darth Maul back into this. Just enjoy the series for, for what it is. You don't need to keep throwing in more people uh, maybe until the next season. Um, and I don't think we need Darth Maul back, even though I really appreciate his storyline. Let him stay dead. Well, can I can I add to that a little bit? Is that the the first season of Mandalorian did such a good job adding characters that we don't even know. Like they don't need to add all these characters just to get like the fanboy. Oh my gosh, it's him moment. Like they, I think they're doing a really good job making their own characters, and I I hundred percent agree that they need to just keep doing that. If you're going to add Darth Maul, make him like end of season two, like reveal he's pulling the strings type of thing. But don't make it all for him for like the next few years kind of thing. And it could just be a flashback now. I'm thinking about that, too. Same with Boba Fett. Yeah, I uh, it's going to be interesting. These this news is all interesting to me. Like, I agree with all of what you're saying. and I'm very fascinated to see what does Star Wars culture do after this? Do they lean in or continue to attack and abandon it potentially? Let's let's talk more Disney Plus news. Uh, this is a big like rumor. I, I want to just come out on the front end and say this, but I still think it's fun to talk about a rumor that originated from Scooper Mikey Sutton in his Geekosity Facebook group. Again, this is a rumor, so let's just take it with a grain of salt. Is that Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios are working on a, a Spider-Man? 2099 series the quote he said is spider-man is coming to television it just won't be peter parker i received a phone call earlier this week letting me know that a spider-man 2099 live action show has been discussed for disney plus in other words this will be a marvel sony studios collaboration if it is greenlit with kevin feige manning the controls i know quite little of this property and while i usually try to dig deeper before releasing a story like this this source has been accurate in the past and then he goes on to say i'll, I'll let you know more if this is true, what is your rating of this news? My question is, if they do this, do they bring back Oscar Isaac, who was the voice of Spider-Man 2099 at the end of uh, um, Spider-Verse? If they do, if they do, and this is connected to Spider-Verse, um, this is the hottest news we've had yet. Like, this this makes it for me. Um, I would absolutely dig into this. If it If it's not... I'm still excited for it, just maybe a little less. Um, but I really want to see this. I, I want to see Sony and uh, Disney finally be able to connect the Spider-Verse a little bit more um, than they have been. Like, I want some more solid and concrete answers to, is this going to be a thing that they really, really, truly partner on? Um, so, yeah, that would be interesting there to find out if it is Oscar Isaac or not. Either way, I'm excited for this. It's a really good point, Jared. I did not make the connection, I guess, internally that this could connect into the Spider-Verse. If it does, I would agree with your thoughts. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what Jared said, like, they need to keep going with the Spider-Verse IP. I think I think the success of how how good that movie was uh, definitely should raise the bar for them. Um, and also with Disney and Sony working together, like, that's something that we're going to want just as comic book fans because the more Spider-Man you're going to get, the better. Um, to me, uh, just personally, it just sounds like smoke. It sounds like they're putting out the, putting out a, Hey, 2099, maybe, 
you know, Spider-Man might be coming. And I, I think, I wonder if they're just, like, waiting to see what people's reactions are. I personally don't know, I know nothing about Spider-Man 2099. I couldn't tell you who it is. I don't know anything about it. Um, so, so to me, like, the like more Spider-Man's exciting to me and Disney and uh, Sony working together is exciting to me. 2099 doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally. Uh, so so to me it just sounds like they're throwing that out there saying hey let's see if we can get this trending if it's trending and it's positively trending like maybe that's something we go down the road with because disney plus is obviously growing like max has shared the numbers with um they're number what number two now in streaming already so like the more content the better and if they can get anything that they think is going to be positive they should put it out there absolutely like, my only thought is, like, a Sp- Spider-Man costs a lot to do because of all the, the green screen work that you have to do in CGI with making a man swing through the city. But I think Disney, Disney has the money to push into this, and I think I, it's good news no matter what because the more Spider-Man you can get, the better. I, I'm all in. Give this more comic book-related stuff, and in your face, James Cameron, suck it. Let's go to Hotter Snot. Uh, Hotter Snot is where we individually rate the things in pop culture that are affecting us today. This could be something we've watched or consumed in the last couple weeks, or maybe just today. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to start with you, Jarrett. Go ahead. All right. Um, to kick it off the bat, something that's really near and dear to my heart and uh, some star-studded news. Apparently, uh, this is we don't have this officially sor- sourced from anyone there's just a rumor floating around that Keanu Reeves might star in the Disney Plus series Moon Knight. Um, I think we did a fan cast of this, I don't know, forever ago, maybe episode 12 or whatever. And Keanu Reeves was on quite a few lists. I love this news. I think this is great news. I think you would do it justice. Um, weirdly, not my first pick, but I don't hate it. I think he's got the chops to do this and then some. Um, so if this is true, I'm all in on it. Um, so that is my... Uh, hot I give this a six out of six my snot I'm gonna kind of go quickly because I know we have a lot of people here um this is a a hot slash snot it starts out snot but it gets better Josh Trank um who is famous for the fan fantastic film uh revealed that he had a long-standing hatred for James Gunn and other directors of famous uh superhero movies because at the time of his release um with fan fantastic these other films were getting praised while his was getting absolutely ripped apart by everybody. Um, now, the reason why this is a hot, pivots to a hot, is he has since said, this is all my fault. I didn't respect the material. He never cracked open a single comic book uh, before directing this. And he understands that he made a, a huge amount of mistakes in directing this. Um, so it's cool to see him come around. I wish he would have maybe not let his ego stand in the way as much and understand that uh, people enjoy these films uh, because they're true to the source material, but also because they're directed well. Um, and you kind of need that marriage of both. And uh, it's cool to see that he's seen those mistakes and learned from them. Obviously, if they were to announce a fan fantastic two and he was directing it, I probably still won't go see it. We are still uh, once bitten, twice shy, but it's cool to see that he's come around on that. Um, and my final snot is the Xbox Series X gameplay footage. They showed off a bunch of trailers as well as some uh, in-game uh, gameplay here. This was very underwhelming. I don't want to say it was bad because I don't think it was necessarily horrible, but uh, you guys know I'm a pretty diehard Sony guy, but I was excited. I think anytime competition sparks up, uh, it's nice to see that because it drives both forward. But 
this was incredibly underwhelming. I felt like there wasn't really much that was delivered on, and this didn't really feel like a next-gen reveal. It just felt like more of the same. Um, and, and I know once we have Zane on, he'll probably talk on this more, but I was just, I was not blown away. I was really just incredibly underwhelmed. Um, so I, I gave that whole reveal a two out of six. I'm still excited for things like Assassin's Creed, but yeah, it just didn't hit it for me. So, so Jared, do you think that, and I think, I feel like Sony did this last time, but they waited for Xbox to make a bunch of mistakes and then they came out with all their big news. Do you think PS5 is doing the same thing? Yeah, it would make sense to me. Cause like, so there was this whole back and forth with, uh, PS4 and, um, Xbox one where they had, I mean, Microsoft fully developed a system. I want to say it was called Durango or whatever it was. It was it was the Xbox One before it was Xbox One. And then Sony did their reveal shortly after. Theirs was above and beyond better. And then Xbox came back and completely reinvented their system. Now, obviously, we know from now, um, Xbox One sales aren't even anywhere near what PlayStation 4 is. So I was I was the the Sony fan in me was kind of glad to hear that, but I'm also more excited to see just consoles going forward. And I think you're right here. I think that uh, Sony's waiting to come in with something big. I think they're going to announce some um, some system uh, specific games, and they're going to show off their their graphics and their gameplay a little bit better. And then you know that might see Microsoft doing a pivot like they did last time. But I don't know. I think any competition right now is good, and this didn't feel like competition. It felt like more of the same. Yeah, and that's been the really sorry if I'm I'm taking a lot of time. No, but you're it, good. It Go just ahead. seems like the the interesting part that Sony's just like. Because a lot of people are, a lot of people want to see what the PS5 looks like, and they want they want the specs on it. Like all we got is a controller right now, and I think people are like, at least from what I've seen, I think you're more invested in this community than I am. But it seems like people are like getting a little upset that they haven't seen more from Sony. We're getting all this Xbox X news, but nothing from Sony. But I think it's a brilliant move from from Sony because they know that they have the devoted fans. They're gonna let Xbox make all these mistakes, and then Sony's gonna come out with like this crystal clear campaign like where they weeded out all that extra stuff that xbox is doing and now they've thrown everything that you actually want in and then once again sony's going to come out looking like you know the beautiful pearl while xbox is just like yeah it's okay but maybe i'll get it in like four years when i can buy it for a hundred dollars on like facebook marketplace speaking from like personal Yeah, no, and like we've seen the specs on both, the actual technical displays on both, and on paper Xbox looks better, right? But I think, I think it all comes down to execution. If we were to look at um, even the backlash from the Avengers uh, game that's coming out, right? People absolutely tore that apart at the first reveal, and like to be fair, it didn't look very polished, right? But since then, it's had improvements and improvements. So I think you're right. I think Sony sits back on their heels a little bit. They say, let's let Microsoft make all of the mistakes. We learn from that. We polish. We get the best-looking reveals that we can, and we hit the ground running. Um, it's been their MO before, and it's their MO now, and I think that they're playing it good because on paper, again, the new Xbox looks way better than the new PlayStation, but people don't care about that. People will not care when it comes to the gameplay reveals. It's whatever they see on screen. That's what they care about. Robbie, why don't you keep going since you're talking? Sure. Um, I'll just start with my hot, and I think this is something that at least me and Max, I believe, have finished. Uh, I think Max is, or Mark is working on it, but the Westworld season finale happened this past Sunday. If you were able to catch it, um, this is my. There's only I mean, there's only three seasons, but this is my second 
favorite season so far. I liked it better than the second season. Um, it's it's still not the first season because that first season sets up so much and it's so deep and it, it there's just so many good stories in that first season that builds up. Um, but this third season I liked. I, I it, it's all it's all very uh, linear. Um, it's 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 not as deep I think as the other seasons were. And, and personally, I enjoyed that because it fit with what was going on in the now for that series. So. To me, the season as a whole, if I had to give it a rating, I, I personally enjoyed every episode. There's little things here and there that are kind of, eh. Um, even in this finale, there were things like they, they tried to make it like kind of over-the-top action stuff, and I, I I wasn't buying it that much. So I give it like a 5.5. I think this, I think season three is... It, it's gone it's met my expectations so 5.5 is where i said and that i really liked it i know max you at, at first you were a little iffy on it i don't know where you're sitting now i'm sure you can touch on that yeah i would i would still sit and say that the original feeling is what i wanted and i didn't get it but i understand the direction they chose and i i was and i'm not gonna we're not gonna spoil this show um because i know mark hasn't seen it and other people are probably still trying to catch up but I, I think the way they ended this season, uh, obviously they want it, they're ready for season four. Um, but it shows to me that it, there's a master plan. And so maybe what I would say about this season is this is just one of those seasons in a show that the overall series may benefit from sacrificing um, the typical quality that the first, and in my opinion, second season, provided um i would give this season a four out of six i would give the series finale a four out of six uh, sorry season finale excuse me um I, I there's one thing in particular robbie maybe we'll talk about it next week that i would love to hear your thoughts more on and i don't want to spoil it for mark so i'll leave it at that um about a specific character and and what's going to be happening with that character and so um i, I would just say what i again what i do like and we've said this before robbie is I love that they have toned back the um, nudity. Uh, I thought, the, and this is a show that they use nudity obviously for a specific purpose. Um, and I really, that's the one thing I've loved about this season is it has felt like it's in the future. It has felt in the real world, like a step into the real world, but also a step out in fiction. And so I've really appreciated that. And and there there have been some really cool things. I've I've liked what they've. Um, done with Tessa Thompson's character a lot this season. I've loved that arc. Um, I really like what they've done with Bernard this season. And I, I, I thought Aaron Paul's character, uh, I, I liked the route they went with him. I really did. I just, there is something special about Westworld season one. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best oh, seasons of all time. I agree hundred percent of, of any TV show. And, and there, I, I did, it sucks. Cause you're not really going to be able to replicate it. Probably. It's kind of like lost. I look at it like lost. Um, season two of Lost is garbage, hot garbage, but it really sets up season three and so on and so forth so that they can do the things they want to do. And I hope that's how this season. Well, yeah, I, I just think in my head like this, this season felt like, and I thought it was going to be kind of an end. I thought this might be, they might be gearing up for, Hey, this is going to end Westworld, but it, it really served as this season is going to be served as the bridge. This is the bridge season. I think this gets us all to a linear parallel point where everyone is doing the same thing and now you're not looking back in time over and forwards and backwards a bunch 
like this is all happening in the real time almost the entire time now and that that's what i'm excited about and i, I feel like this is a bridge to get us back to the west world uh maybe not the west world where like not the season one west world but you're getting back to that kind of area and i think this is the bridge to that so i'm really excited about it um if you haven't watched westworld you need to watch westworld like it's it's one of the best season one for sure like see after season one you'll be hooked no matter what even if you don't don't like season two that much even if you don't like season three that much you are already invested because season one is so good like it's yeah there's nothing more i really need to say about that um my other hot is i don't know if you guys saw this but carol baskin got bamboozled so yes bamboozled she got bamboozled (laughs) so she has not done an interview since the tiger king came out so these these 20 something year old youtubers faked like they were uh jimmy uh fallon they were like jimmy fallon's like publicist or whatever and like uh, got her to agree to an interview as long as they didn't talk about tiger king and and the interview is kind of meh you know you know it's kind of there's they don't really ask anything because they actually they because of what they agreed upon they couldn't ask anything um but it's just it's just it's just fun to get her bamboozled and like like it, it, it's it's funny because like like they so they take they take clips from past Jimmy Fallon shows and they have like like him saying things and she answers it like she's talking to an actual person like so she's just getting bamboozled the whole time I I saw there was a report on something she did I I just saw it so I don't know what it's about but she is saying something about that whole YouTube video now. Um, so I should have found that before talking about it, but I, I just think it's great that she got bamboozled and like, she's still getting attacked for killing her husband and, and it's not, it's obviously not going to go away. Um, this is kind of, this is mostly a hot, um, partially a snot. It's only a snot because I finally got a Nintendo switch and, and in realizing getting a Nintendo switch, I didn't know that Nintendo games never go down from $60 basically. They're always $60, no matter how long they've been out. Um, I did find out that Walmart mostly, usually their games are like $50 instead of $60, so I I bought one there. Um, But that leads into my hot part of this, which is the main point, that Animal Crossing sold $11 million worth of copies. or uh, Was it 11 million copies or $11 million worth of copies? Sorry. 11 million copies in the first month of being out. And to to put that in comparison, Star Wars, um, their new video game, has been out for, what is it, six, a little over six months now, something like that. And they have just passed 10 million, and they're talking about that becoming a franchise. So, so people really like their Nintendo stuff, and maybe it's just because Animal Crossing is like this super happy fun game where everyone can just hang out you can did did animal crossing come out during the during the, the pandemic yes it, it, it came out like a month ago so like it's it's perfect timing for when people can't be by each other everyone's on that's your social you know aspect of animal crossing and, and animal crossing was big before that but it it, it 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 rose in my mind that like i didn't think nintendo was doing like as good as they're doing but if a game like animal crossing can be $60 and this many people are going out and buying it and like 
all their games are still $60. And like I go to the stores because I'm trying to buy games because I just got a Switch. And they're all sold out all the time. Nintendo's doing just fine. They're not going anywhere. Um, so then my, my one snot, and this is more personal for us who went to Crown College. I, I assume you guys know where I'm leading. And I know Max likes it. But the Crown College Storm, which is a college that all of us at one time or another went to. A few of us graduated, a few of us left, a few of us had uh, bad altercations. Um, <laughs> Some of us graduated twice. <laughs> um, so they have changed. They, they're still the storm, but now they are the polar bears. And, and my cousin who lives with me got a care package for graduating um, that included a, a a white polar bear on a on like a purple crown shield and um, uh, sticker and a shirt with a polar bear on it and this is like basically their reveal because i hadn't seen anything about the polar bear before this so they just sent these out to their graduates who were never polar bears and were like hey we're the polar bears now here's a shirt <laughs> surprise you're a polar bear um and to me it just looks like an albino grumpy otter so so that's my take on it i think the paw that they put on the O and crown looks really cool. I hope that's what they put on helmets if they put it on helmets. Because if you put the grumpy albino otter, it's not. No, don't do that. Max, I would love to hear your take on that. I know you're a big polar bear guy. You're, oh, I, you go. I, I could not be. This has been a hot topic in our group chat. I could not be more disagreeing with all of you. I think this logo is tremendous. I like this ice. Well, maybe Mark loves it. I don't know. But for a majority of you, I love the soft look. I think it's a much more intimidating figure than a storm. I wait, like wait, you just, wait, wait, wait. You just said you to... like the soft look and then you called it intimidating. Well, uh, correct me if I correct me if I'm wrong, but this will mean that we can have a polar bear on the sidelines now for games. I'm sorry. I've been to crown football games before and the only mascot I've ever seen is the Chick-fil-A cow. No, no, so, no, 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 no. There's been, there's been a storm there. There's been like a tornado guy running around. I, I said in in my okay, time I'm there, that's saying, the whole, I've well, never seen We were tornado. there at the same time, and there was definitely a guy wearing a tornado. Polar bears. Were we there at the same time? Because Jared said he was <laughs> the there at the same time, look. and I don't even know what Jared was <laughs> The like. polar bear look is great. I like the it's way a, it it's looks. It's a grumpy otter. I think it's getting a bad it's getting a bad rap. And and first of all, what's wrong with the grumpy otter? <laughs> the grumpy otter, otter would be great. Start, if if they were the crown college grumpy otters. Give me the grumpy otters as a, the mascot for the college and I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. The only thing I would like more than a polar bear is a grumpy otter. <laughs> it's the only thing I'd like more. Crown, you do you. I love it. Lean into it. It looks like okay. Love it. Send me a shirt. Just my just my quick two cents here. It looks like somebody accidentally cussed in the library, and this bear is just like just giving them the look. That's, <laughs> that's all. It is. Like someone cut in line, and this bear is just like you. How dare you? I'm not gonna do anything, but I'm it's visually so bad, mad. Max. It's so bad, Max. I couldn't disagree more. I think it's wonderful. I give it a si highest of sixes. The I've paw ever is great. I, I love, love the the, logo. the the paw in the O. That's what I love. I do. I love it. I love it all. Crown, lean into it. I love it. I love it. And I'm and I'm serious, by the way. I'm no, not, no, like, I know. Against no, you I know. I know. I know. You, I love, you love polar bears. We had this discussion where I compared other cute babies, animals, and you went polar bears, no matter what. I think polar bears are I, where it's at, but that's just. But me. remember, they could have been the rhinos, and now they're the polar bears. So. 
Yeah, to give me give me polar bears over rhinos all day long. Um, Chargers would have been a decent lateral move though from Storm, but I digress. We've spent too much time on the subject. I don't know if I have all the context to this, so I can only go off of what I hear and what I know. So I'll, I'll preface it by saying that is the Hills star Kristen Cavallari, who married Jay Cutler in 2013, is currently getting a divorce from him. And what I'm snotting is that she calls him unmotivated and lazy. And I'd like to challenge that on a couple ends. One, the dude made $120 million playing in the NFL for over a decade. And now he has settled down, and maybe day-to-day he's just not going at the level he was. Um, but for those comments to be said about him, even as somebody who despised Jay Cutler as a Vikings fan, uh, I, I just I have to snot that. I don't know the full details. Maybe he cheated on her. Maybe he's terrible at home. I don't know. But to call him lazy and unmotivated is... Right. Like, her career doesn't take off unless he's, you know, the one of the higher-paid quarterbacks in the NFL for as long as he was. And I'd like to think this decade he can do as little as he wants, if he wants. After all the work he's put in, I would like to think he has that right. Right. How much money did he get to be the Miami Dolphins quarterback for a year? Like $10 million. Like, he got $10 million to do nothing. Good for him. Let's get into my hots. This is a great one. Jerry, you shared this with me, but I'm sharing it now. Community is doing a virtual table read for fundraising for COVID-19. Here's an update, though, that just came on. The Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal, will be guest starring in the table read. Uh, They'll do a Zoom call, and the cast of Community and creator Dan Harmon are reuniting for a virtual table read and Q&A. Among the participants will be Donald Glover, um, Joel McHale, Jillian Jacobs, Danny Pudi, Yvette Nicole Brown, Allison Bree, Jim Rash, Ken Jong, and uh, obviously Pascal will be on it as well. And Harmon will obviously dic- uh, will will run the thing. Go ahead, Robbie. Fun thing about that is I'm pretty sure they've already recorded the episode. But um, if you go to Joel McHale's uh, Instagram page, they he they are doing a the darkest timeline podcast right now. They're on episode nine. Yep. Um. So I just saw that before that. So like, and so episode nine, everyone's on there. So if you want to just hear all the hear all the people from community talk, and we're all big community lovers, I believe. I guess I don't know about Mark. Um, Mark, do you love community? It's there from day one. Okay, good. So yeah, if if you love community and like we do, you need to go start watching that. I'm gonna listen to it sometime this coming week. I'm probably gonna try to catch up on all nine episodes. I'm really excited about it. They're doing the darkest timeline, which has been a running joke for us recently. Um, so yeah, I just piggyback, piggybacking off of you because I forgot to put it in my hot. Yeah. Six out of six. This will, I'll be there watching this when it's revealed. Um, the other one is, uh, episodes five and six of the last dance were, were, um, released last Sunday. Um, the next episode seven and eight will be released on mother's day. So you'll probably be hearing this after those come out again, six out of six. What are you doing? If you're not watching this series, this is, this is going down as one of the best sports documentaries I've ever watched. Um, my my impression of Michael Jordan has gone through the roof since watching this. His line before this all kind of came out was, "I think people are going to think worse of me." I actually have thought the opposite. I think I've I revere him a little more. I had a bit of more of a, ne- a negative uh, view of him as a Kobe fan, but also as just like you know his gambling issues, how he left and came back. Um, but and obviously, this next episode is supposed to talk about. So that, you're saying that you've phase. really really uh, related to how Michael Jordan lives his life. I like to gamble from time to time, Mark. Which and you like to leave and come back. And, so it's, you know, it's, yeah, well, you are the <laughs> virtually I'm giving you the finger. But um, <laughs> I think I would I would just say 
I, I, up to this point, I haven't seen the other four episodes. Maybe it'll go downhill from here, but, um, <laughs> he's been, it's been really in, impressive. And I, I tip my hat to the creators of that and, and any other comments about this show. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm watching as soon as it comes on, I'm recording it so I can watch it later. It's, it's so good. It's, it's, they are doing an amazing job. Like they did an amazing job backing this up or going forward with it bringing it earlier into this whole COVID thing. Um, you know, just kind of like how the Tiger King hit at a perfect time. ESPN was like, we need to get this out right now because everyone's at home and they're hitting it at a perfect time. You know, certain scenes are becoming memes and that, and in today's world, that's how you grow a documentary. <laughs> and they're doing a great job. It's, I'm loving every second of it. It's amazing to watch. Uh, the back and forth you go from earlier early Jordan to his last well not his last year but his his final ring year um and it's it's amazing to watch a lot of things that I didn't know about Jordan like and I'm right there with you as as a huge Kobe and Laker fan like Jordan's kind of always the goat but you know Kobe had that I always felt like Kobe had more of an edge to him but you're seeing through this that Jordan had that edge and maybe even and Jordan maybe set yeah, the edge. Yeah, he, he set, set the that edge. edge for a young Kobe to follow um so yeah it's the same as you if you need to be watching this if you enjoy sports at all if you enjoy basketball at all it's something you have to be watching that's my hot or snot Mark what about you uh before I go into my hot and snot I wanted to touch back on what Robbie was talking about uh Nintendo you know not you know going above 60 bucks and how Animal Crossing sold like 11 million copies so I went to their, the, the, you know, you can buy their stock, uh, and I went to what they looked like in the last three months, at, and uh, I want to touch on May or March 16th, they were trading at 37.96, and now uh, on Friday's close, they're trading at 51.8, so that's a, in a few months, that's a pretty good jump. Yeah, they're doing okay. So, Animal Crossing's... Animal Crossing's done them pretty good. We hit on this a couple weeks ago with the Nintendo stuff. Like, I, I was going around trying to find Nintendo Switch, like, every day. And, like, you can't buy a Nintendo Switch. Like, you can't buy a Nintendo Switch or a Nintendo Switch Lite, which is, like, the one that doesn't connect to your TV. You can't buy them in store. People are buying them either for their kids at home or they're buying them to resell them on eBay, Craigslist, Marketplace, stuff like that. And they're charging four hundred plus dollars, and people are making a hundred dollars on every single one. And it the same goes for video games. Like I've been looking for Zelda Breath of the Wild for the last week. I was finally able to find it and get it um, yesterday. But in like three out of the four stores here in in just my town, it was sold out in every store. And that yeah, and that's a that's a three year old game. So like it's crazy. Mark, go ahead on Mark, go ahead on hot or snot, man. So I'm gonna start with my snot. I only have one snot. Um, uh, my wife, my beautiful wife Kelly, and I finished uh, the series Hollywood on Netflix. And, Ooh, and, okay. And to give just the premise, just reading from Wikipedia, uh, follows a group of aspiring actors and filmmakers in post World War II Hollywood as they try to make it in Tinseltown, no matter the cost. Each character offers a unique glimpse behind the gilded curtain of Hollywood's golden age, spotlighting the unfair systems and bias across race, gender, and sexuality that continue to this day. Hollywood exposes the, and examines decades-old power dynamics and what the entertainment landscape might look like if they had been dismantled. So, you know, late, mid-40s. Um, and 
I think, I forget how many, like there's, I think eight episodes or six episodes. Um, great series. Loved it. The final episode was just, it felt like it was written in haste. And they're like, how do we finish this movie or this series? And I feel like they crapped the bed on it. And Kelly would, I think Kelly would agree. It's just like all, because in the final episode, you, we get a jump in a year. Someone dies that you're unexpected. Like, why Why is this guy dying? And then it just ends. And it's, it's like, why would you tie tie up such a great series in such a horrible way? So that's my snot. Series is great, but go watch it. It's graphic. There's... I Just go watch it. And then you can yell at me later. Whatever. Um, what's, your, what's your rating of the series, Mark? I would give it, like, it, give me the first seven episodes... Six out of six. Add that last episode, four point five out of six. Ooh. That's how. Wow. That's how much it like. Wow. I was Could like, screw not you. Stick the landing. Yeah. Um. All right, moving to my hot. Uh, I finished Kelly and I again finished the series Waco yes, on Netflix. So that show was fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Six out of six, and it gave us. Uh, they kind of told the story through the lens of. Um, the main man involved with like the Waco shootings mm-hmm. or the the whole Waco incident, I should say. From the inside. In, from the inside, from 1983. Uh, if people are unfamiliar, it follows uh, David Koresh, who was uh, a leader or however you want to say of the Davidians. And it kind of delves into like, okay, is it, did they do what the government said they did? Or was it a government cover-up because the because gov- the FBI screwed up with their whole handling of mm-hmm. it? And um, what I really love is Michael Shannon is in this series, and I'm a big Michael Shannon fan. Anything he's in, love it. And I will find him. Yeah. And um, what's his name? Taylor Kish. Who's, yeah. He's in, and pl- it plays David Koresh, who I feel like looks like a mullet-wearing Tom Brady, and. Nails it. Great. He nails it. Just, yeah. It was an amazing show. I, I, again, it's a mature audience show, but great. It was great. Um, Any, oh, go ahead. Keep going. I was going to do my next hot if you had a. No, go ahead. You're good. I was just asking. Um, my next one, I got around and watched 21 Bridges, which stars Chadwick Boseman. And, and it's, you know, tells the stories about, you know, these guys. Drug deal gone bad, shoot some cops, kill some cops, and it's, you know, Chadwick Boseman, who's, you know, the son of a uh, a cop who got killed, and, you know, call, you know, he's in on it, you know, there's some, like, oh, who's all, is there dirty cops, is there not dirty cops, what's the real story going behind this, and follows, you know, then you follow Chadwick Boseman's character as he solves this crime and figures it all out, and this movie, I feel, is supremely underrated. I feel like this movie should have been up for best movie of the year. And I feel like it got swept under the rug because it was, you know, I don't know if it was just not good marketing, not good publicity. I believe the Russo brothers were attached to this film at one point. And yep, they were producing it and it was a low budget movie. And it was great. And I would another, I, I would give this a five out of six. Great movie. Maybe even a six out of six. It I was, was going to say, you're calling it best movie of the year, but you're giving it a five. Tell my me bad. Why. 
I well. Well, I just, I just, I just want to know what you're, what you're landing on. Here. It's I, well, my, I guess I'm going off with like it's not in my opinion the best movie I've ever seen. That's where I was, you know, right, right, great right. stuff. But I get uh, that. on like a cinematography standpoint and how it just looks, six out of six. I think it, it has all the right stuff to make it in the running for best movie. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I go Shane. I go Shane. Okay. If I, yeah, if I didn't make that clear, I say it would be in the running. It should have been. Yeah, up yeah, there. yeah. Um, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, my next hot is that new Rick and Morty episode that came out last week. <laughs> I knew you were going to talk that, about this. That's why I didn't right, even put it on my list. It was wild. Is that the best Rick and Morty episode we've ever seen? It, it, I think it's the greatest Rick and Morty episode of I all time. I think it might be the greatest episode ever animated. Seriously? Period, yeah. It, it's amazing. That Mark, I, I, I got to interject. <laughs> this, this episode is going to require at least 10 viewings to fully grasp what they're trying to say. Right. Um, and the the only reason I would give it a 5 out of 6, even though I would call it the best episode, is because of how they portray Jesus Christ at the end of it. <laughs> Hated that part of it. Did not like it. Yeah. Um, and, and just I'm being real. I'm being yeah. transparent. Just I... I'm a Christian. I hated it, and I've, I'm not. I don't have any gripes saying. I that. could say I was uncomfortable with it, but the way they played it, on like the standpoint of like how people in Hollywood or whatever you want yeah. to say react to it, spot on. Yeah, they nailed that's, it. That, that's how I took it. The way that you did, Mark. Like they they took it the way Hollywood looks at the Bible. So oh, totally. They yeah. I I, I understand Dan Harmon's um approach to the subject. Um, I, I'm just, I just want to be clear. I, I hated it. I, I just want to be clear. I, well, you also love the polar bear. So like, I, I oh, don't I know the how they take bear. it. But I love the polar bear. I do. I, I can't get enough of it. Jared, did you watch this episode? I haven't caught it yet. It's on my, oh my gosh. I Jared. know I'm Jared. This is a must watch. This is an immediate must watch. I guess in my mind, how, how does that episode ever pass pickle Rick? Because I feel like pickle Rick is the number one Rick and Morty episode at this point. Oh, Pickle Rick is so bad compared to this episode, Mike. It's not so bad. But I think what makes this latest episode so good is the story that they're trying to tell. Mm. And then on top of it, how they're telling it. And then on top of that, what they're showing us. And and then they get you sucked in. And then they throw in a website that you can go to that just takes them to buy merch for for (laughs) MerkinMorty.com. Yes. That that I did. I loved that part. I was like, go to story storytime.com i did immediately i was like this is either going to be part of the episode or it's going to be merchandise it was merchandise which makes a hundred percent sense i just would say the pickle rick episode is severely overrated to me it's a good episode that's but just I, to you everyone else like everyone else thinks it's the best rick and that's Morty fine movie. i'm cool with it i'm just fine like how everyone really else care. likes princess bride and you don't Yeah, everybody else hates the polar bear too yes yeah, everyone likes i think Robin uh, Hood, Ren and tights and you don't yep Got nobody it. likes yep nobody likes the polar bear but everybody everybody likes uh princess bride yes girl guys um, the point I would say is this episode is like, and Jarrett, you're a huge community guy. This might be Dan Harmon's best work, Jarrett. I- I'm telling you, dude, this is un. That's hard to believe, but I, I'm uh, excited. Yeah, I don't know about that. Darkest Jared, timeline is, seems to Jared, be this carrying is, on for years. This so. is this is some of this is just, some of prime time. Settle Dan down. Harmon. This is at least a top ten Dan Harmon TV show at the bare minimum. I, a top ten. I I think it's a top five qu- episode. Is it a top? Question. Is it a top ten or top five? Could be made for number you're, you're, one. You're... I'm saying. I'm saying without question, it's top ten. I'm saying I would argue five. What is it, Max? I would say an argument could be made for top five. I'm saying I would argue top one. Top what? You can't argue top top one because that's. I'm saying it's the best. I'm saying well, it's the best. All right, all right. Just the stop this. I got one more. I got one more hot. We're my two last hours. One. We got We got We got to finish. I got one more. 
tomorrow night, May 9th, or May 10th, WWE Money in the Bank. Tune in, get your WWE Network, booyah, wrestling plug. No one's, no one's going to be there. Suck it, Max. No one's going to be there. Cool. Do you think Gronk is going to do the 24-7 fight? Probably. He'll probably have, he'll probably show up. Yeah, do you think he'll have like a Bucks jersey on or something? I hope so. And I hope Tom Brady's there and I hope they die. Well, on that note, let's get into the top five. The we're going in three. Infinity Bros. Two. Top five. One. List. Starts now. Still laughing from the top five. That's brilliant. Every week we like to do a water cooler discussion. Uh, maybe something's come up in the week. Maybe something we've been talking about. Maybe something that's happening. And this week, obviously this weekend, is Mother's Day. So shout out to all the mothers out there. We're so grateful for you. We love you, ladies. And we hope you have an amazing Sunday. As my dad would say, don't worry about the dishes. Just let them stack up high. You can wash them on Monday. Um, let's talk about the top five fictional moms of all time. We are running low on time. So I think we're going to have to go a little quicker today. But we're going to go ahead and start with Jarrett. We haven't heard from him in a while. Go ahead, Jarrett. Okay, mine's kind of a shooting from the hip one. But um, for honorable mentions, I have uh, Kitty Foreman from uh, That mm-hmm. 70 Show. Um, at number five, I have uh, Laurel Lightfoot, who is the mom from Onward. At number four, I have Chili Healer, which I know you guys don't know that one. Um, it is from a kids' TV show called Bluey. It's on Disney+. Plus. It is the funniest kids' TV show I've ever seen. It's it's an absolute riot. What is it called? It's called Bluey. Bluey. Yeah, check it out. It's an it's an Australian joint. Uh, it's about it's a cartoon about uh, dogs basically. Um, sorry. So Laurel Lightfoot, Chili Healer, uh, Queen Romanda, uh, which is Black Panther's mom, Helen Parr, and at number one. Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Ooh. It's gotta be it's gotta be Sarah Connor, right? For fictional moms. It's a it's a good argument. It's a good argument. No, it's a good argument. Until you watch the newest Terminator. I haven't and I won't. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> uh well, yes, it's a top ten Terminator movie. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first, guys. That's a top ten Terminator movie from Mark. Go ahead, Mark. As it's we're not doing this for charity, there's no charity honorable mentions with me, so I just have a uh, cut top five. Number five, a boy. Kitty Foreman. Four, Elastigirl Helen Parr. Number three, Stifler's Mom. Number two, Leslie Nope. <laughs> Number one, Padme Amidala. Stifler's Mom made your list? Okay, time out. Tell me why Stifler's Mom made your list. Why would she not make your you list? You know why she made the list. Um, a couple reasons why she wouldn't make my list. Let me hear why she made your list. No, though. you tell me why she didn't make your list because you're She's the one a who is mom. a fan. Stifler's a terrible of, kid. You're the one who's a fan of <laughs> the polar bear. So know what? Your opinion oh, doesn't matter. Go. You gave yeah, screw my you gave Princess Bride. Bear. I'm talking, Max. You gave Princess Bride a three out of six. So know I what? Love that you yelled. You tell me. You tell I, me why she's not on your list, and that I will be that. it. And you'll let me have her at my number three. I love that you yelled at me, it's my time, and I was not talking. Everybody else <laughs> was, was talking. Me, yeah. It's my time. Okay, it's your time. I'm the man, uh, Dad. <laughs> Robbie, I'll I'll go next uh, since Mark's so grouchy. Um, oh, my gosh, my phone dropped. Here we go. All right. Uh, at number five, we have Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. At number four, I have Meredith Quill from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number three, I have Marge Simpson. Number two, I have Claire Huxtable. Uh, 
Yes, obviously, given Bill Cosby's stuff, she's still a great fictional mom. And number one, I would put Bambi's mom. Bambi's mom at number one. Because she got shot? I said, God rest her soul, Mark. It was my turn. I I don't get why she's. I didn't interrupt you when you talked. I'll tell you that. Everybody else did, but I didn't. You've always interrupted me. It's my turn to talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Robbie, go ahead. Your list. All right, and then for my top five, uh, we have Mallory Archer from Archer. Uh, she's a great mom. She cares for her son, and she cares for herself. She knows how to take care of herself. She's great. Uh, number four is Elastigirl, um, because of reasons. Uh, my number three is Cersei Lannister. Who, I don't care what you say about how Game of Thrones ended. I don't care what you say about her. She really cared about her kids. My number two is Talia Ghoul because she has the foresight to have a kid with Batman, and that's the greatest gift I think a mother can ever give to their son. Um, and my number one is the goddess herself, Amy Matthews from Boy Meets World. She's a mother that all mothers should aspire to be. She's perfect. That's my top five. Well, Jared, thank you. Jared, thank you so much for coming on uh, today. It was great to spend time with you. And uh, don't uh, get some sleep tonight. I know you're excited about Taika Waititi. It's going to be a while before his movie comes out, though, okay? Okay. I'll try. Okay, good. Man, a few words like that. Mark, I want you to know that I think your list is great except for Stifler's mom. That that's, was the only part fair. that I didn't like. Everything else I thought was great, and I thought you were really thoughtful and did really great intentional decision-making in the rest of your list. So good job. Great show. All right. Thank you. This was our most off the and thank you. Sorry. <laughs> and thank you, Infinity Bros Universe. If you're still listening to two hours of podcasting, we want you to know we love you. We appreciate you. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check out our website, Infinity the infinitybros.com and as always we love you 3000 we'll talk to you guys later see ya bye Bye. thanks for tuning in to the infinity bros podcast you can find the infinity bros on facebook instagram and twitter at the infinity bros feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com 